Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product management leaders share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of Joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. We're going to be discussing getting a seat at the table. When, how, all the descriptors of this. What does that mean to you, Lou? This is a topic I'm pretty passionate about. And for me, it really is ensuring that you, your PM team, et cetera, has that they're in the room when the decisions being related to their team's strategy, et cetera, are happening so that they can actually showcase their voice and talk about what's going on. I think this is one of those pretty critical things because as everybody's probably aware in product, in bigger companies, the game of telephone is real, right? Mm -hmm. So-and-so talks to your manager in this meeting and then it gets filtered through this person and eventually it gets down to you. When I think about the seat at the table, I'm trying to think about how do we cut that off at its head? How can we ensure that that game of telephone doesn't get played, nothing gets misconstrued, and ultimately that we speed up our ability to collaborate and work with one another? It sounds like there's a bit of context sharing that needs to happen. How do you get the right level of information to do the job? Yeah, I'd say it's context sharing, it's collaboration, and I think it's also ensuring that you've got the right people in the room when making the right decisions. I'll give a good example. And this was something I enjoyed a bit at Ibotta and I was bringing this up to you before was, Mm -hmm. let's say we were going to do a discussion that involved the browser extension at the time where at one point I was just a senior PM, just my squad, Mm -hmm. et cetera. Anytime that it involved that, even if it was a leadership, a company strategy session, I was sitting there. I was in the room with our CEO, our CTO, our board members, even as an early bit. And that allowed me to showcase my knowledge of the the space, help inform them. And at the same time, I could hear their concerns, their requests, et cetera. And we're able to do collaborate, make decisions and talk about things. That's a, a great example of what I'm talking about, right? It didn't have to get filtered through 10 people. And that's, you know, an area thing that, you know, with any team that I've been on that I try to encourage as, as much as possible. I'm kind of curious, Kevin, if you, what you think on the, uh, the particular topic. It's interesting, the decision versus context sharing. If it's more context sharing, I think it's easy to force documentation, share information that way. If it's a executive leader team that's not providing the context, you're working with them to build the document to force them to answer the question. So the context is there and you're just executing against the context. If you do have the context and it's more within this context or focus area where we're deciding how to solve or we're deciding how to think about this and you don't have a, the people in the room, that seems weird, right? <laughs> now, how do you do that? I think recognize that, stop what you're doing, get them in the room. Don't make decisions uh, with, without those people in the room. 
easier said than done. If you're on the other side of the coin and you're the person that is getting left out, I think communicate, bring that up. I'm the person that is driving this on the product side. I need to be involved in these rooms. And if, if this continues to happen, I can't do my job at the, at the level that is expected of me. And it's really prohibiting me from doing my best work. And you're voicing it that way and forcing that involvement in some way, shape or form probably easier said than done. It's an interesting point to me is I think it's, it's a way to make an organization flatter, which is an interesting thing. The bigger an organization gets, the more levels of hierarchy there are. Mm. It's totally cool for everybody to talk about different strategy points, different products, make questions, do those type of things. I think that's something that should always be encouraged. But I definitely think that when it comes down to okay, yeah, we're really going to be moving and setting the strategy on this thing and it's going to impact somebody's work yeah. or in the area or their focus or the, what they're trying to deliver. That's the point where I think, you know, okay, we got to look at how we can get the people into the, into the room for that discussion or, you know, let them see what's going on. And so that way, either one, it's context understanding or two is just sometimes it can be easy to get detached, right? You can start looking at, strategy or board that's just you know people are just numbers on the board you can get detached from it but sometimes when you have the people who are actively working on that project who are sitting in the room and they could really voice the opportunities the challenges in a way that's honest and real and not detached mm -hmm. it actually makes it easier to find really good solutions that's a great point i feel like it's a miss on the leadership team in that scenario right because you're kind of putting it all on your shoulders. And maybe that's a, the crux of a scaling organization where you're learning to build and learning to grow and delegate more. And you can't do everything yourself anymore. And you need to lean on your people more. And that's the only way you can continue to grow really is by being able to share vision and share strategy, share the work, share the load, right? I mean, there's so much. Yeah. And so how to do that in the right way it's a good example, right? If you have someone that's in product as a builder and focused on the strategy, let them do that and then let them be in those rooms to make decisions. I think from the other angle is continue to fight for those things and show leadership. It's a little bi-directional, right? They're learning how to do this and then you're also helping them. And if you look at it through that lens is how can I help them remove some of that load? right? In a way that is constructive, gets me a seat at the table to understand the context and do my job. And then also have them feel confident that I'm filling that anxiety for them so that they don't feel the need to take it on themselves. You hit the right nail on the head. You've touched on this a few times. How can I ensure that I'm doing my job to the best of my abilities? I think there's two parts when it comes to product in that. One is ensuring that you have almost all of the relevant an up-to-date information that is needed for you to either make decisions or inform yes. and influence. Because if you're attempting to inform and influence and you don't know what other conversations context, are yeah. going on, then, I mean, it, it kind of sucks, but it's kind of wasting your time, right? Like it's not only wasting your time, but it's wasting the business's time. Because if you're missing out that piece of information, like that's, that's hard. And I think the second bit in there is that the business isn't, benefiting from the skill sets of the people that they have. I see a lot of it with smaller startups. They just don't understand the importance of sharing the context in the right way. They've been solving for this problem for years and they have that all in their head and 
they have all this learning in their head and it's like, well, they should know this. I'm like, what? No, they don't because you've done it. You've experienced it. It's like, how do you share that experience and knowledge with someone that's just starting or is, is new to the context in the company? It's, we were talking about that with a CEO from product board is it's real, right? It's like, how do you, how do you do that continually at the right level? So then you feel the need to more lean on empowerment versus control and context, right? It's like, how do you, how do you lean on that more? I think that's part of the piece there is the, is empowerment versus control. And I think that's a hard thing that everybody struggles with. Right. And I'm not going to even just say for leadership, like CEOs or anybody else, but you know, it was a lesson I think I even had to learn in product leadership is you're used to the control and the strategy mm. direction for a piece of thing, right? Then let's say you hire somebody in to lead <laughs> a particular zone and you have to like literally give that up. You have to be like, I remember doing this with, you know, like I said, the extension e-commerce stuff like that at Ibotta and just being like, cool, like these are the new people who are here. My goal is to get you up to speed with everything I know, but you, but also realizing that in probably like 90 days, you're going to know more about this than I will. And I can't sit here and try to like force this on you or like, you know, whatever else it's like, I got to make the best use of it as you can. And for me, that was always a, I, I think there were two things I always tried to do with my team. One was get them up to speed, rely on their context, especially for managing large teams. When I had a team of like eight or nine PMs, you know, you can't keep up with all that context. Like you can't. So you really need to delegate decision-making and strategy-making. And the second thing I did was be a recognizing factor of like, hey, if we're talking about something that directly impacts this person's work, like, hey, let's either let's either set up a follow-up meeting or let's bring some people in from that team so we can get that voice heard. Or two, like knowing ahead of time, hey, we're going to be discussing this topic in this meeting. I'm going to invite or I'm going to add this person, this person, and this person from my team so that they can add context to this meeting and realize how valuable that is and that conscious effort of putting people in front. I think it's great for building, building up people. And I think it's mm. also great for empowerment and then, you know, everything else. And I think it's great for the business too, because the business gets to learn what everybody's seeing firsthand. Absolutely. The ability to offload some of that anxiety with the leadership team, the focus area and pushing for documentation, pushing for the right questions to get answered. So then you have the proper context. It, it makes it easier to participate in those conversations. Asking for that might be a good step to take as the person looking in and for the reverse, I would say maybe that leadership team really acknowledging the power of context sharing and the power of documentation and spreading the knowledge that you've acquired over the course of the time that you've been focused on this problem and the solution. You have to be able to trust that. You have to hire the right people to then work with on that trust. That one's tough too. Building trust is super critical for that. You had a good point about building trust. And, the, you know, there's, this is the crazy thing, right? Like, I think it always requires a leap of faith right? If you're going to do certain things. And I think that's the biggest challenge that a lot of businesses struggle with is taking that initial leap mm. of faith, like, oh, let's include this person in that meeting. And I know a lot of managers in the past, thankfully I've had some in the past and it's like, oh yeah, you know, we're going to get you added in there on next time or let's prep you for going into this meeting or whatever. And it's like, what you're really just saying is you hope I don't screw up in front of you. <laughs> 
you know, or say something I'm not supposed to. And yeah. that is that is always the thing that like has always shocked you know shocked me is the the uh, some of the the fear culture and the like just the level of getting people involved and it usually has to do with like some level of personal security around around involving others which is a really hard well, I mean, place to be we're all people right we all yeah. have those same emotions that we all struggle with as an individual there's things you can do. And then, you know, as a leader, you can, there's things you can do. And so I think with feeling this moment of that fear or this lack of trust, or are they focused on the right things? Really analyze that, sit with that emotion and kind of break it down. Am I sharing the right context? Am I involved them where they need to be involved? And likewise, you know, am I asking the right questions? Do I have the good understanding? Do I have a deep enough context understanding to provide them security that I kind of add value in those situations? There's things on both sides of the relationship you could stay attuned and, and work on to better approach that situation. If you're the, the contributor that, you know, you want to be involved in some of those conversations, I think it's about proving that you're polished and proving that you're researched and that you understand mm -hmm. your space and that you're competent. I can actually share a good example of my past experience yeah. of dealing with this. So I was coming into an ad tech company at the time. This was years ago and they were a transactional model uh, company. So their monetization model was transactional, right? You get a rev share and, and primary growth level of the business was that. And, and so it was a two-sided marketplace, transactional rev share. I was already thinking of the tools that they had in place of more of like a SaaS type of sub model. And so the approach to my strategy was like, let's further invest in, you know, this tool. Let's invest on onboarding into the platform. Let's invest in all this kind of stuff. There's more SaaS strategic focused as opposed to driving more of the transactional volume. And it wasn't so cut and dry that way or articulated in that fashion, but that's kind of what inherently happened. I was getting that friction of, oh, this doesn't seem right, or you're missing this and missing that. And there was that kind of that, that weave of distrust happening because there was a disconnect of the context, but either side of the party couldn't really articulate what was happening in the moment. It was very reflectively, I can say, you know, oh yeah, that was what was happening. But, it, you know, in the moment, it was very hard to kind of pull that apart in some way, shape or form. So I think getting down to that bare bones of like the business model, that value, the value streams, like how do, how do you create revenue as a business and an organization? What matters the most? Who your customers are? What are their core problems? Like all that kind of information and crucial to kind of make sure that you understand and then that informs the decisions you're making. And, and that was one example that I think I did poorly because it caused that rift of trust and lack of the partnership or alignment in the strategic directions that I wanted to take. Looking back, I can say, oh yeah, I would have totally done that differently now, but it's very hard to recognize those things in the moment. But maybe that's a good action item if we were to kind of wrap it up with some homework is like, let's talk about what we could do differently. And I think if you have this emotion of distrust or misalignment or feeling like you're not involved, try to really introspectively look at the situation and, and Go deep and figure out, are, do I understand the context? Do I understand the situations and, and material to, to contribute? And then am I also, you know, using my people? Am I, am I delegating properly? Am I providing the context?
yeah. What kind of, what kind of things would you assign to our listeners this week? I think it's just very important for all PMs, regardless of what level you're, you're at to look, to think about what the, where the decision-making table is. And if you're not actively participating into it, I'd highly encourage a conversation to get that participation started because the reality, every time that I've found more success in a product role, it's usually because I was able to say, Hey, whoa, decision about insert problem space over here is being made. Where was that decision made at? Who was in that meeting? What was going on there? And then being able to say, okay, yeah, next time, like, let's get in that. I I need to be in that meeting Mm -hmm. and kind of calling it out and saying like, you know, my goal is to be able to represent this stuff in the product. Like, let's get it done. And if there's really a problem to that, you know, maybe it's not the right place. Because I think that's a that's another call out that I would probably make there is just, you know, if you can't get your job done and decisions being made about your problem space without your involvement, does that really mean that they want you to leave that space? That's a good point. Always evaluate that. If you if you can't do the work, right? If you can't do the work because the lack of trust or the lack of knowledge sharing or something that is venting you from doing your best work. Find that place that works for you where you can feel that you are in, in the right conversations. I do think that is really crucial. How often is that happening? And is it a repeated behavior? And if it is, then find the place that works for you, right? Find the place that yeah. recognizes your contributions to the company and the product and and be there. This was a really interesting conversation. I think there's a lot of different angles to it. I'm curious to hear everyone listening, their exposure to a situation like this or getting that proper context from the leadership and vice versa, being able to delegate to new individuals, right? That have fresh knowledge. Like, I'd love to hear your stories. Please share those with us on LinkedIn or or wherever, right? We have a website as well, productcoffeepodcast.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe us on Apple Podcasts. That actually does so much. And and tap a five-star review, hopefully, (laughs) or an honest review, please. And then write write something nice or or not, I guess. Just tell us honest feedback. And uh, we might call out some on the show. So I appreciate everyone that does that. I, I would like to call out one individual that, that did comment. Arlie K wrote, The show really is like my morning coffee. Warm, stimulating, and I can't miss a part of my routine. Product Coffee consistently offers excellent conversations and actionable takeaways from incredible product leaders. If you're in the product management space, this is the show you need to be listening to. Thank you, Arlie K. We love you. That's amazing. So please go ahead and and do that. We'll call you out on the show. Looks like we finished up our coffee, so go level up. This has been Product Coffee, produced and engineered by me, Kevin Gentry. Through our podcast partner, Anchor, you can now record a voice message and send us ideas or topics to cover. And who knows, we might end up playing it on the show. You can also become a supporter of Product Coffee by contributing a monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Product Coffee on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.